this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. And Jay, the union is important to this episode because they picked it. This is one of our patron submitted or patron poll episodes where they get uh, to pick from nine albums. Excuse me. Nine <laughs> got a little got a little a uh, little uh, burpy thing going there. Uh, nine albums in our uh, Patreon selected uh, poll here and all submitted via our website, digmeoutpodcast.com. You put them in, you take them out of the hopper, Jay, you stick them on the Patreon and the, and the, the patrons vote. And then they voted again because we had a tie, which uh, really threw our recording schedule off a little bit. Because I had planned to end it on a certain day and then spend some time reviewing the record. And I'm like, nope, you're not done. Right. Let's vote again. And the last time we had a, a coin flip, people got real mad about the coin flip. You would have thought... Uh, not a popular decision. You would have thought the uh, NFL ran that coin flip. <laughs> they were so mad about it. <laughs> but uh, uh. let's talk about the records that got submitted. For January, our first uh, poll of 2022. Richard Waterman suggested Corrosion of Conformity's Deliverance. Eric Peterson suggested Peep by Day 28. Willie Dillon suggested The Practice of Joy Before Death by Pond. Kyle Bittner suggested Kaboom by Flowerhead. Darren Lehman suggested Five Days in July by Blue Rodeo. Blue Rodeo, by the way, just put out a new record. Uh, Alex suggested Eternal Happiness by Bang Bang Machine. Marissa Buxbaum suggested the self-titled album by NRBQ. Keith Badge suggested It's Great When You're Straight, Yeah, by Black Grape. And Marmaduke suggested Rays by Swerve Driver. Now, two of those bands, or three of those bands, we have actually done episodes on. Crazy uh, Conformity, right. Pond, and Swerve Driver. Yep. And the voting, well, it was interesting. It ended in a tie. Uh, at the top of the at the top of the poll in the tie were Swerve Driver and Black Grape, followed very closely behind by conf- Corrosion of Conformity. In fact, at one point it was basically a three way tie. Everyone else came in at ten percent or under. So we had a runoff between Black Grape and Swerve Driver, and Black Grape edged it out fifty six to forty four. And well, let's just say there were comments. People started switching votes. There was uh, there was all sorts of uh, uh, back uh, room shenanigans happening, and uh, but anyway, we did not get another Swerve Drive record. We did Mezcal Head Season One. Mm-hmm. Was that Season One? Yep, it was with our oh friend Neil Schmidt. Goodness. He joined us for that episode. But alas, we will be dipping into the world of Sean Ryder formerly of the uh, Happy Mondays, and then this album uh, was the kickoff of his new band, Black Grape. Jay, had you ever listened to Black Grape? Uh, I remember them on 
probably 120 minutes. Okay. Uh, I don't know if it would have been this album or the one after, but uh, I do remember seeing seeing some videos. The one after this. So this is their debut. Came out in nine, August of 95. It is followed by their 97 album, Stupid, 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 which, uh, yeah, you might, that one I remember because um, the album cover is weird. Yeah. And then um, they broke up and then got back together in 2017 for Pop Voodoo. And then Sean Ryder actually put out a pretty good solo record last year that I liked. Uh, it had been sort of in the works for about a decade, songs that he had written over a period of time and then just finally got around to actually putting them all together in an album. Uh, so this, so what had happened was the Happy Mondays had broken up and Sean Ryder had attempted to, he was famously sort of a um, partier, drug, drink kind of yeah. guy, and he had attempted to kick that and so that's where the title it's great when you're straight meaning it's great when you're sober um he did bring along bez b-e-z that's it that's his name bez he's the dancer in happy mondays and he is credited with vibes on this record not an instrument just the vibes does that mean he's the guy that goes and uh Scores drugs for him. He just dances around and he plays a tambourine occasionally, I think. That's about it. Um, he, so also joining him on this album is um, uh, Paul Kermit Leverage on vocals. Paul Wags, Wagstaff, because you know everybody's got to have a nickname. Wags, right. Bez, Kermit. The drummer's name is Ged. Ged Lynch, drums and percussion. Um, and then there's a bunch of, of people who play on this record, all sorts of instruments. Um, Danny Saber is the producer. Danny Saber, who has, um, he's also knows a remixer, so he's done a lot of remix singles and stuff like that. Um, he plays guitar and bass, keyboards, organ, does some programming. There's sitar on this, there's a, there's a horn section. Hammond Oregon, lots of people um, appearing and, and playing on this record. It was mixed by Tom Lord Algy of the Lord Algy family and mastered by Ted Jensen. All these big names. So this was going to be like, you know, a bit kind of a big record when it came out on Radioactive, which was, if you remember at the time, Radioactive was like kind of a big deal. That was the label for like Live and some other. All right. It was, re- it was, um, at the time, it was a sub-label of MCA, but I believe it's now owned by Geffen um, or Universal or whoever. It's like, you know, everything's like yeah. a silo of albums now. Um, so it sold pretty well. Um, out the Gate sold 100,000 copies in the UK, made to number 20. Um, in New Zealand, Scotland, and Sweden, and top of the charts in the in the UK for two weeks when it was released. Um, certified platinum in the UK, and then it sold six hundred thousand worldwide. Made it to the top forty, or um, sorry, the single in the name of the Father made it to the top forty on the Billboard Alternative Songs chart. Uh, Kelly's Heroes, another single, made it to the top twenty in Scotland and the UK. 
And then it appeared on some best of for the year and decade by Melody Maker, Enemy, and Select. And, you know, all the, all the British magazines, at the, which a lot of them don't exist anymore, but like Mojo and Q all had it in their albums of the year when it came out. And probably here in the US, I'm guessing like, like you mentioned, 120 minutes, college radio. This was not like a big radio or, or big selling band in the US. This is primarily a UK. Uh, just like the Happy Mondays were not a big success here. Yeah. Uh, in the same way that like, what's interesting is that I, when I was reading about this, people were saying that this was basically Brit pop with a beat. <laughs> And hmm. I was like, well, I don't know if I agree about that, but yeah. um, we'll get into it. So we yeah. did get some comments on uh, on this album, which we will. I'll just get to the ones that people talked about uh, in terms of uh, this record, um, which was, you know, not a lot because the, the votes were all over the place. Uh, Gavin said, I'm taking black grape here, although I do prefer the follow-up, stupid, 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 as I think it should provide interesting discussion. Honorable mention to Swerve Drivers. I love this album. I was playing it last week, but we've already covered them. Uh, Also, with black grape was... uh, Who else? Was there anybody else who who actually talked about black grape in that original poll? I don't think so. Wait, I mean, we had like chip and darren and joe and justin martin scott two scots all the scots kyle jeremy sean jeff willie john darren keith none there was like nobody talked about this record darren and keith mentioned it oh sorry darren said i'm a big fan of blue rodeo and COC, uh, but Black Grape album is most interesting albums on this list, so I voted for it. Um, did did Keith actually vote for? He said he voted for his own pick, which his own pick was. Uh, oh well, yeah, it was his own pick, so that makes sense. Yeah. So in the and then in the poll in the runoff, we got some more comments. Uh, they were all about. Uh, the voting system that we've imposed, which is basically you can only have one vote now instead of we can vote for 50 different things. And uh, there were, people are not happy with that. Anyway, thanks to uh, also Kyle, Richard, Whitney, Stephen, Darren, Johnny, Marissa, Darren, Richard, 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 and Richard for commenting. Uh, <laughs> I did like Keith's comment. I'm intrigued about... Um, or, I mean, uh, Sean and Bez are pretty big jagoffs as human beings, <laughs> but I do genuinely like the Happy Mondays and Black Grape, despite how awful they can be as people. Okay. That phrase is not used enough. Jagoff? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that should be on uh, Righteous Gemstones. Like, uh, Danny McBride's character should call somebody a jagoff. <laughs> Just instant funny. Yes. All right, let's get into it, Jay. Tell me one thing you liked about It's Great When You're Straight. Yeah, by the by, uh, Black Grape. The uh, first half of this record starts off pretty pretty strong. It's a in that uh, you get a almost uh, musically a kind of an eighties 
funk vibe. Uh, I'm hearing like Sister Sledge and maybe a little Parliament here at the sprinkled in. And um, it's a really, I think, well done uh, take on how to write pop and funk songs with a little bit of rock. Um, so I think, you know, the the first half of the record in the name of the father, Tremont, Tramazi Party, Kelly's Heroes, uh, even Reverend Black Grape, great hooks, um, pretty catchy. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a lot of like dance beats and you mm-hmm. know, rhythms, but I think they work really well as, as songs. Um, production wise, it's interesting. Um, I don't even hate the, the sax, which usually I do. You know, Tremazi Party has a saxophone at the end. It it works pretty well. Uh, so there's this fun kind of loose feel to the vocals and the overall, um, I think, presentation or vibe. But under it, it's a pretty tight, you know, funk rock group of musicians uh, that they put together. Um, you know, it's not, none of it is reinventing a wheel, but it, it doesn't. I think what's interesting about it is it doesn't to me really sound like the nineties other than like there's some, maybe some hype man stuff like, Hey, you know, like getting the songs going and like talking and things that like remind me of, you know, early mid nineties music, maybe some of the sounds here and there. But I think the core of the style, at least musically feels more eighties than it does mid nineties to me. So it's, it's a bit odd to, to imagine this, at least in the U S um, you know, getting any kind of push behind it from a major label. It just sounds like not what was going on in 95. Um, so yeah, I think, um, you know, on those, on those songs too, I think they make the most of the vocals, which you can get into later about what doesn't work. Um, but like in the name of the father, they're smart enough to bring in, you know, a female vocal in the chorus that's really strong and soulful that works really great for that song. Um, they have some, you know, sing-along gang type parts to, to make things hooky. Um, Kelly's Heroes has a gr- killer guitar lead at the beginning, and then they, you know, make the vocal play off of that so it really strengthens it so you kind of get this melody established and then they you know know how to even though the the vocal isn't super strong it it, it can carry the melody so within that material too um 
there's a, there's some limits to what they can do vocally, but I think it's pretty successful in you know making the most of it. Uh, Shaker Money is another good example of um, it's got this loose kind of vibe, but it's really well performed and has a, like a almost like Clash slash Rolling Stones kind of feel to it. Um, vocally on that, it makes me think of like maybe Mick Jones from the clash and like his vocal style and how he sings. So it has a bit of that, like world music slash blues rock punk kind of thing going on, um, which is kind of cool. So yeah, I think it's an interesting combination unexpected for the nineties. And a couple of those songs I mentioned are, they're just feel good party songs. Um, that I think pretty work pretty well. What are your thoughts? I agree with you. And I think hitting on the eighties part of it is, is right on because when I heard songs like trauma Z party, which mm-hmm. I guess is a drug reference because Sean Ryder was writing a, was writing an album, you know, sober, but sort of addressing some of the drug stuff that was going on. Mm-hmm. And trauma Z party is actually like a, I think it's like a reference to, some I can't remember the name of the drug, but it started with the T R. Anyway, that had like a big audio dynamite feel to it. Yeah, which is you know the post clash mm-hmm. uh, stuff, and a lot of that reminded a lot of this reminded me of of that band, and I found it. I went through a couple different passes with this in terms of at first, you kind of got to get used to Sean Ryder's vocal. He's not a traditionally good singer. Yeah. But he comes up with some really interesting lines here and there and he's got a an attitude and a a way of crafting like just biz- these bizarre little lines and melodies that shouldn't really work cuz he just sounds like he's shouting over the top of these beats half the time. But then as you listen to it more and more you're like, "Okay, this kind of works. It's it's got like an yeah. energy. It's it's kind of nice." And I definitely swung back more towards I'm I'm digging this. I also think I did I think I did hear this in the 90s and was like I had no interest in it because I had no interest in the Happy Mondays or anything that was really dance oriented. Yeah. Um you know, I didn't I don't when this came out in 95, I don't even think I had really discovered like Parliament or anything like that. I was pretty set in my like guitar rock ways at that point. And now I listen to it and I go, oh, this is a fun record. Like, I, this would have been a lot you of know. fun if I hadn't been so <laughs> closed yeah. off. You know, I probably would have enjoyed this record a lot more back in the 90s when I when I heard it. Um, if I had been a little if I had been a little looser with my uh, my ears and my <laughs> hips. Uh, <laughs> Whoa, keep those caps nice and tight. I know. Uh, but it's it's an interesting record. In that it, it you know it covers a lot of ground in terms of funk and like you mentioned it has the the 80s electro uh not electro that's not really the style but i mean there's there's a weird confluence of influences here that or sounds that both sound very 90s but also very not 90s like yeah. some of the samples and and things that they're using go yeah that sounds very madchester i really like 
just the overall feel of the record. You know, a song like A Big Day in the North has just got this nice laid back kind of feel dabbling or, or you know, sort of moving into a trip hop almost aspect to that song, but not really getting there. of like the Alabama 3 record that we talked about. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and good. it's interesting because I never really got the Happy Mondays. There was just something always like just didn't quite work for me with them. And this works just a little bit better. And like I mentioned, I did like the Sean Ryder record that came out last year. I think I just... When I listen to Madchester bands, to me, like the Primal Scream sound sort of hits it perfectly with Scream Adelica and the Happy Mondays didn't quite get there for me with in the same way. So this almost sounds like them listening to, you know, like Scream Adelica and then, you know, some of the other stuff and going, well, we're going to go in a little bit different direction and, and go even funkier. Uh, it's not going to just be like jangly guitars and, and hippie ish kind of, uh, you know, revised hippie hippieism, but we're actually going to get into some like real funky grooves that are are way more like you said in the Parliament kind of uh, in seventies and eighties funk sounds. So, yeah, yeah, I was a, there was a lot that I dug on this record. You you can't deny that in the name of the Father, Tremazi Party, and Kelly's Heroes all have legit earworms. Like, oh yeah, those choruses are super hooky. Like you hear them one, one time through and you got it and it's buried in your head and you can recall it. So, uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's legit, you know, salad pop hooks, uh, at least on that, that group of songs. And I, I think you could maybe make the case for shake your money maker, even though that goes on a bit longer, um, or maybe that longer, but, um, they, they tend to bury that hook in the ground by the end. Um, right. But it's there, you know, you can't deny it. So yeah, there's some there's some solid, you know, pop songwriting here. I really like Kelly's Heroes. And I actually did a little investigating because I was like, what is this about? Like these some of these the lyrics are a little weird and I couldn't quite figure out what he was singing about. Yep. Um and by the way, that guitar lead, that like the that triple bend that they yep. I was like thinking about that for a, at least a solid day. Like, what does that sound like? And I was like, rack in my brain and then i thought back to the cult's self-titled record hmm. and i'm like there is a track that has that bend on it somewhere i know it's on that i i know it's somewhere <laughs> on that record i haven't gone back and found it but i it did I sound know, familiar but 
Yeah, but it's it's it might not be the same note and it might not be bent yeah. the same exact way, but it's very close. So that song is actually very thoughtful. It's Sean Ryder investigating himself in terms of his worship of his idols and supposedly like, you know, when he got sober, he started to look at the people that he was big fans of as a musician and he was he realized that he was really influenced by people who tended to be drunks and druggies and that it was a it was a really negative thing for him so he wrote about sort of the idea of like false idols and idol worship and the original lyric was supposed to be um a bit different (laughs) than um what he wrote because i think the uh the it was a a bit harsher and the label or the producer was like you better back that off a little bit you're you're getting a little too it's almost too edgy for a single essentially uh because he was going to be mentioning about certain people doing cocaine and and these all these like accusations and stuff and he sort of backed it away yeah uh, which is why it's a little bit more fun i think because i think there's like there's a line about is Jesus Batman? No, Jesus is Bruce Wayne, or Bruce yeah. Wayne is Batman, or something like that. And you're like, that's kind of goofy, but yeah. okay. Um, but there's there's a number of spots on here where, in reading about the record, it's just him doing. I, I guess the lyrical depth is what was surprising to me is that it's not just a party record in terms of the music and the lyrics. Like the lyrics actually are him getting fairly deep with his own sort of issues as a, as a, you know, having addictions and having problems. Um, not that they completely gave them up. Like they were still partying quite a bit, which is not as to the, I guess, to the extent of what she was doing in the happy Mondays. Yeah. Um, What was the other stuff that uh, I think I I thought the other thing that was really interesting is how much on the back half of the record, he like drops little lines from other songs. I don't know if you picked up on that, but there's like in one of the songs, is it Submarine? I think he drops a little bit of Fool to Cry by the Stones. Hmm. And then in Little Bob. At the end, there's a bit of Hey Jude. And it's just him, like, just singing a line. And yep. it's so random, but he able, he's able to, like, sneak them in very subtly. So that the first or second time I heard it, I was just like, do I know that? What is that? Um, I think, what is it? Uh, there's A Day in the Life is in one of the songs, too. It's like I, he sings like I heard the na- news today, old boy, or something like that. Right. One of the tracks. Did you pick up on those when they were happening? Well, uh, I heard the Come All Ye Faithful, obviously. Joyful right. And triumphant, um, which started to perk up my ears to see if there were others. But I think that's the only one I really took note of that I definitely noticed. Now, I know you're not a big fan of horns. <laughs> So, like, when there's yeah. a saxophone wailing halfway through Little Bob, are you like, all right, I'm ready to party? Uh, or is that 
was that where you turn it off and start over? It, it, I'm, I enjoy the horns when the song is good. <laughs> so I don't like the song Little Bob, but I like the song Tremazi Party and that has horns in it and it's great. So I think when they, to get into the stuff that didn't work, it can get off this, off the rails a bit and down into this, like, mm-hmm. you know, just jammy, jammy, but not jammy, um, meandering, you know, bed of drum machine or, you know, dance drums, dance beats, and then like, yeah, horns wailing over top and yelling and not really going anywhere. Um, so that, that, that's the, when the music doesn't work now, you know, in general, the little Bob is a good example of like the way the, um, maybe not the sax in particular, but the horn parts are fine because it has that like parliament or, you know, seventies funk kind of vibe to the, the way they're arranged. It's just from a song standpoint, it doesn't really go anywhere. Um, it doesn't have a great hook. It's just kind of, you know, a music bed to dance to, I guess. Um, and then I find material like maybe Submarine, um, A Big Day in the North. It, it just asks, too, those songs ask too much of him vocally. Uh, and I find his voice doesn't just work with those songs. Like, it, I, I think he brings a, when, when, the, when the vibe is a party and fun, he brings the loose energy, you know, mm-hmm. to it, the way he yeah. sings. But when the vibe is down a bit or, you know, more, you know, trying to be chill or relaxing or, you know, trippy or even like a bit more space and it, it's just a toned down kind of sound. Yeah. His voice just doesn't fit it. It just sticks out like a sore thumb. Um, it really needs to be up tempo. Yeah. Like a big like, day in the north. I like the song, but Bobby Gillespie from Primal Scream has like the fuller range to tackle that song. Yeah. And he sounds like he's struggling a little bit. Yeah. I felt like the same way with like Shake Well before opening. I really like that hook. I think that's a cool hook, but the song doesn't like go anywhere with his vocal or musically. Yeah. And so it feels like a wasted opportunity. gets in these spots too like vocally he's like like extending notes longer you know and it 
taking on almost like this whiny or overly nasal tone. It's very pinched. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I just want him to be sharp and clever, you know, and upbeat. Right. Uh, and That's and why fun. Kelly's heroes work so well. Yeah. And when it goes in other directions, it just, it, it doesn't, um, doesn't work for me. Yeah, I agree. With, I think the second, the second half is definitely the weak half of this record. Like shake your money. It's a good song, but it's just sort of repetitive and it could have easily just been two minutes. Yeah. There's not a ton going on there. It doesn't feel like they're as composed as the first half. Feels like the first four records or first four songs, I mean, on the record are much more thought out in terms of even if they stay fairly consistent in terms of rhythm, there's I feel like there's a they mess around with the vocal and the melodies enough uh that they bring more to it whereas the back half sort of relies more on just a single idea from yeah. a vocal standpoint. Yeah, you, it feels like that material is just underdeveloped and not as strong and it's just sequenced in a way where you know, the second half of the record starts to drag and just feel not special. Right. Like, I don't mind Little Bob because it kind of sounds like a funk jam. Yeah. But it does go on a little long. I mean, it's, a, it's this almost the longest song on the record by like six seconds at five and a half minutes. And I get it, but you've got to really have a great hook. You know, the best Parliament songs, yes, they have really, some of them are 10 minutes, but they have really great hooks. Yeah. And you've got Bootsy Collins with an amazing bass line. Yeah. And there's some really great drumming going on. And so there's some really great backing vocals and horn sections. And it's like, if you're going to, if you're going to be repetitive, you better have some amazing talent pulling that off. Yeah. Because even if you listen to Bootsy Collins as a bass player, he might be doing a repetitive bass riff, but he is playing with that riff, always landing on the one, but he's always playing with the structure of that riff, throwing in notes, taking out notes, you know, so that it sounds like he's kind of doing the same thing, but he's actually not doing the same thing every single time. And I think maybe that that doesn't happen here, possibly because there's a little bit more like programming going on. So you're not getting as much sort of human playing. Yeah. Yeah. Um so it was a I spent uh some emotional uh baggage on that. There's you know, it was it was like I really was confused by it, then I was like, okay, I'm really into this, and then when I started yeah. to get into it, I was like, maybe some of this isn't working as well as I'm hoping. So I was I was kind of going back and forth on each listen as to what what exactly was working and what wasn't. Definitely works as like uh, a background record because it just mm-hmm. kind of it, it goes by real fast. It is not a yep. record that drags. Forty five minutes. Yeah, uh, I did read though. <laughs> over at Rate Your Music, somebody wrote. Um, I know people think this is like dance music, but this this is this is dance music for people who have never been in a dance club. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, you're really like you go to a dance club. It's like, you know, it's 
it's this is a different this is for dancing at a show not for dancing at a dance club you know where where people be comfortable but now i have to worry about uh 120 beat per per minute uh yeah i don't know dance music's a little my impression of it is a little too intense this is more fun right and clever not like we're doing intense dancing right (laughs) but listening to it now i have no uh i can't come up with any reason why this would have been huge in the united states other than you know some college radio stations and some very hip people who are into this scene there's it's Uh, not going to catch on was it the new radicals was that the name of the there were, there were moments where I could hear that a similarity to that band, but that didn't happen until a couple years later. Right. Yeah. That's like 97. I want to say, but it, it still had that kind of, I mean, obviously he's a way better singer and that's a, a more straightforward pop song, but there were some elements of this that made me think of that band. I mean, there are like, yeah, you can hear in certain singles, like lens, steal my sunshine. You could hear like yeah. dancey sort of mid tempo stuff with yeah. sort of unusual vocals and but those are one-offs mm-hmm. and i don't know that there's as blatantly pop friendly a single on this record there's some good songs especially in the, on the first even the ones that i that i mentioned that i think are really strong they're still pretty long they're all over four minutes right that's and none of them have know. the big big chorus that would get lodged in your brain in the same way that like steal my sunshine would or, or the new radicals. Uh, so how do you rate this record? Jay, Were the album better EP or decent single. It's a solid EP for me. Um, I'll go with Reverend black grape in the name of the father, Tremonzi party, Kelly's heroes and shake your money, even though, like that that should be a two minute song but right i just love the way it starts and where it begins to go and about halfway through i'm like okay i can just fade this down myself but uh i still think it's a you know a decent listen so that's my ep what about you i go ep as well first four songs a big day in the north i kind of like little bob so i would do little bob so it'd be six Mm -hmm. songs for me all right. I like I like a good sax solo. I like my uh my Billy Joel, Mark Riviera sax solo. My Clarence Clemens. You know what I mean? I do. I I took sax for 6 months in in like 5th oh, grade. I didn't know that. Yeah, I did. I busted my lip on a reed and It's hard to play, quit. isn't it? Oh, it's very hard. <laughs> That's why I'm not a wind instrument uh yeah. uh person. Because it's uh, it's difficult. I have uh, much respect for those for those folks. That's two better EPs for "It's Great When You're Straight." Yeah, by Black Grape. Thanks to Keith Badge for suggesting, and thanks to everyone who voted both on the original poll and the runoff. Uh, next time, we're going to do something. I don't know what, but we're going to make sure we don't have a tie. I don't know what I have to do to stop these ties, but it's really uh, quite annoying. We also had a tie in our 80s poll, and I just said, screw it. We're doing both records. Not at the same time. 
one 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 month and one the other. Yeah. So, but I'm I'm really uh, we're gonna have to come with a with a better uh, overtime solution than uh, than we have right now. Maybe we, we have to new overtime rules. We need a new overtime rules because I'm not happy with what happened. <laughs> Both albums need a possession. Yes, exactly. <laughs> It's the only it's the fair way to do it. Uh wanna remind folks, you can suggest an album for one of our polls by going to digmeoutpodcast.com. Go to the suggest an album section of our website, drop the album in there, it makes it into the poll, and then you can go to Patreon and become a patron, join the union to actually vote in the poll. You get you get to vote in the poll for the album that you submitted. How cool is that? That's what people do. And then uh, not only do you get to do that, you get to hear our exclusive 80s episodes every other month. You get to see all the video, the handsome men behind this podcast that are delivering it to you with their dulcet tones. And uh, you also get to read the Box Newsletter, which is available by also going to our website, signing up every weekend. The Box goes out with a release calendar of new books, movies, and albums. Uh, relevant to the podcast 80s and 90s music as well as two reviews of new releases and uh, my goal this year jay is to not review stuff that i'm familiar with i mean it's it's been a little hard at the beginning of the year because there's just not been anything released there's just so but uh, uh most recent reviews if you were to go to uh our website or, or sign up for the box. Uh, Boris, I reviewed a Boris album, which I've never listened to Boris before. It was very good. And uh, Pedro, the uh, stuff that they did with Ian Asbury. I just know that one song. Yeah, that's all I listened to. And then I did a Page of the Lion album, which I actually never really got into Page of the Lion. So uh, I was happy to uh, check that out, and I hope to continue doing so. I mean, there's going to be some weeks where you know it's going to be like there are a lot of records coming out in February from big bands like. Tears for Fears and Spiritualized and Spoon and Guns N' Roses and uh, Soft Cell and Eddie Vedder. I mean, I'm just going to have to. Wow. A lot of names there that uh, I hadn't heard in a long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One week in, in like one week, Soft Cell, Tears for Fears, Spiritualized, uh, Guns N' Roses, Scorpions, all in the same week. All in the same week. It's nice. like that is crazy. Yeah. Um, we need to make sure we get. Uh, Who's the lead singer of uh, Scorpions? Um, Klaus Mine. We need to get Klaus Mine on this uh, podcast. We get get chip on that. Uh, I want to hear. I want to hear him shout, "Rock you like hurricane." <laughs> California. <laughs> it's my favorite. It's my favorite uh, thing when they, when when "Rock You Like a Hurricane" comes out or comes on the radio. Yeah. And then uh, when he gets to the breakdown, he just goes, rock you like a hurricane. <laughs> uh, do yourself a favor and, and listen to the live album. Uh, what's it called? Worldwide Live, I think. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I will do that. I just, I, I enjoy listening to him uh, sort of sing in English. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Uh, also, I uh, want to remind folks, Apple Podcasts. That's where you go to leave some positive feedback on the show. So for Jay, 
Um, Tim, we're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Dig Me Out.